Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Tuesday, October 1st, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I am here with Mika, Stacy, and Kristen. And we are revisiting an episode that Jen, Stacy, and I did last fall. So tonight we are going to talk about witches. What? Good evening, ladies. Witches! Who aren't witches. What? <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> So we had a lot of fun last fall talking about really cool witch-centered books. And so when I was looking at making the, the October schedule, I thought that maybe we should bring witches back, especially since we have some new people on the podcast now. I figured we could give listeners more great books about witches. So that is the agenda for today. If you want to go back and listen to the first witch episode, um, you can do that. I do not know the episode number, but if you go back through all the episodes, you will find it. So before we start talking about some witch books, though, I have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook at Book Bistro Podcast. On Facebook, you can join our listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. It's a pretty quiet group, but we do get some good... Um, bookish discussion going every now and then. So definitely pop in there if you are so inclined. You can also send us an email and that address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to find us on the web, you can do that at https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash book hyphen bistro. Okay, now that that mouthful is done, I am going to start us off with my first book, followed by Mika, Kristen, and then Stacy will end the round before we start again. So my first book tonight is called Grave Witch, and the author is Kalena Price. This is the first in the Alex Craft series, and this is the series that I have had on my radar for, I don't know, six or seven years now. And it's one of those things that I would say, oh, I really should pick this up. I really wanna see what this is like. And then I would say, but it looks kind of ghosty and I don't know if it's good. And so I would just keep putting it off and putting it off. So this episode gave me the impetus to actually read this and I'm so glad I did. So Alex Craft is our main character obviously. And she is a grave witch, which means that she can communicate with the dead. And sometimes she communicates with ghosts who are kind of like lingering, um, refusing to cross over. And sometimes she actually goes to the grave and is able to communicate through the grave, um, kind of like on the other side of the veil with ghosts who have already made that transition. So many of you probably know that ghosts are not my thing, but they are done really, really well here. Um, oh my gosh, not... I have to interrupt you and just say, put this on your calendar, October 1st, yes. 2019. Shannon enjoyed a book that included ghosts. Okay, sorry. Yes. You can resume now. That's <laughs> oh, so <thank> shocking. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm not a ghosty good. person either. I did good when we did Ghosts and Gothic last year. You I did. I was proud of you. Yeah. I just I did a few ghost books for that one but just for you to say that it was all about ghosts and you liked it and you enjoyed how well done the ghosts were yes. I'm proud I'm proud Thank and you. now you can resume your discussion I'm sorry to break it up oh that's okay <laughs> so the ghosts here are, are done in a way that I feel like really walks that line between being like eerie and then being sort of ridiculous and over the top <laughs> so I love kind of the balance that she put in there where there's a little bit of humor with some of the ghosts, but it's not silly. 
Um, and the, the parts of the book that are supposed to be either kind of scary really do have that kind of ominous feel. So basically, Alex is investigating what she believes is a supernatural serial killer. And she has a lot of secrets in her past. Um, she is from a wealthy family, and I can't tell you too much about her family without spoiling a lot of things. But her family is not super thrilled to have a witch for a family member. They, um, her father is part of this kind of yucky, like, humans-only alliance, kind of like a hate group, which is not great. So Alex is kind of out on her own, and she's investigating the serial killer, and it's possible that it has some ties to the family that she grew up with. So she kind of has to go back um, to her family home and do some investigating, and that's a little dangerous. Um, there's also a really cool love interest in a lot of the, the first book, as it is often in urban fantasy series, you don't have resolution of the romance in the first book, but you do get a really nice inkling of how things are going to shape up. So if you are a fan of urban fantasy and you want a good ghosty book with a really unique witch heroine, I recommend Grave Witch. Alex Craft book one by Kalina Price. And there have been some comparisons between this and um, the Hollows series by Kim Harrison. Um, and I think there are some things about the two that are similar, but I would not say that like this series kind of fills like the hollow shaped hole you might be having as you wait for the uh, 16th book to come out. Um, they, they're just, I think, really different with a few similarities. What is the author on this one again? Kalena Price. I was so excited when you said you were going to read this because I've been looking at it for a while too. And I thought, okay, if Shannon likes it, I know I will. So it's I don't know really, what... really good. Um, yeah. Emily Durante is the, is the audio narrator okay. and she does a really good job. So my first book this evening is, um, it is a book in a series. It's the fourth book in, in, is a collected, a connected series. So um, the series is called Demon Days Vampire Nights. And, <laughs> and the book is called Natural Witch by K.F. Breen. And this book um, I say that it's in the connected part of the series because even though it's the fourth book, it's the first book of this part of the series. So there are apparently interconnected characters, but this stands very well on, on its own as a good jump off point. Um, so this book is laugh out loud funny. Penny, our heroine, um, is she lives in Seattle and she goes to a, a witch retreat um, because she wants to, she wants to try to be able to, to learn how to grasp her latent magic. And she does not really believe that she's very powerful. So she's hoping that this witch retreat will um, give her what she needs to be able to learn more about these powers that her mom knows about, but that she, but that she really doesn't. And so she has a super overprotective mom and she shows up at this witch retreat and everything's going, it's, it's, it is like sold as it's very much sold as a, like one of those, like kind of like hippy dippy, you know, like the fraudulent ones where, where oh. they're just like me, like, like half the stuff it feels like they're making up. And then all of a sudden, um, there's a spell that is happening. She has no idea of, what, of, of what's going on. And she accidentally turns some of the participants into flesh-eating zombies. Whoops. Oh. <laughs> um, hate it when that happens, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's a bad day for Penny. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so Penny, being the brave, the brave, spunky heroine that she is, hides in the closet. <laughs> and <laughs> um because now look she has no idea what she doesn't know what happened 
She doesn't know anything. She just knows that she is scared to death. She should have listened to her mom, never should have traveled from, from Seattle to Louisiana. And now, and now what? And so this basically is the beginning of a trilogy. And it is all about Penny learning that she is a lot more than she ever thought that she was. And, um, and she is having to hide out from the Mages Guild because in this world, mages are very evil and they typically, and they do not like witches at all. So, um, yeah, and they try to subvert <laughs> the witch's magic. Um, and so it looks, it's kind of like one great big mafia, basically. <laughs> um, the things I love about this book, I just want to say, is that it really is laugh out loud, laugh out loud funny. It is hysterical. There's so many scenes where you are just laughing so hard because Penny does not know what the hell she's doing. And it is glorious. She doesn't really know anything. She's not like, she's not going to be like your kick-ass, you know, um, heroines that come out of the gate, like already being, a, being able to throw a knife since they were like six months old. She is scared. <laughs> she is scared. She is scared witless. Her whole life is turned upside down. And now... So the other part is that now she has to work with this man who is known as the rogue mage. And so he is the most powerful mage, but he has gone rogue. He's not interested in throwing him in his lot with the mages because they did something very bad to him. And, um, and basically now everybody and their mom is after both of them. And he has to help Penny and Penny also, also helps him. And there's so much like, having to hide and all the time and oh. have barely escaping things that happen. The other favorite part of this book for me is that even though the mom is super overprotective, she is literally my favorite. Like she, I, I love her. And, and Penny has a best friend named Veronica. And the thing that they do with their Friday nights is that they go around town and they fix all of the bad, all of the grammatically incorrect, like, <laughs> road signs that people put out for like things for sale and so they go and they take a sharpie oh and they God. fix them so 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 again, why don't we just spend a friday night it really yes and it works because veronica cannot stand badly spelled badly written signs and she just wants the neighbors to do that. i can't either <laughs> I, I love it so again the book is called natural witch and it is by K.F. Breen. This has been on my radar for a while. Um, Yasmin Gallinorn actually promotes K.F. Breen's books um, kind of often on her blog and um, in her Facebook readers group. So I'm excited to read some of her stuff. Oh, I think you're going to really love it. It is, it is so funny. Well, it's going on my TBR. Thanks. Every time you get on a podcast with me, Mika. I always end up like, oh, damn, now I have to read that, and I have to read that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do here. Yep. yep. Uh, so my first book is called Changeling by Mo Molly Harper. Yay! It turns into a tongue twister for me a lot. Uh, I want to call her Marley Hopper, but <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, this is also, okay, so it's Changeling by Molly Harper, and it is the first book in her Sorcery and Society um, series, and I really didn't think I was going to enjoy this because it is young adult, and typically young adult is not my thing. Um, because teenagers can be very whiny and obnoxious. However, um, this turned out to be really, really good. So Sarah Smith is living in this world where there are two types of people. There are the magicals, which are typically high society families. And then you have the snipes, which are non-magical families who typically um, either work as servants for the high society families or, you know, they kind of do odd jobs. They are 
kind of the shunned, almost poor non-magicals. Um, so they're not really highly thought of. Now, Sarah, she's 14, and she has an older sister named Mary. And her family are servants in the, the Reed household, and they're, they're a high society family. And her mom works in the kitchen. Her dad is uh, the groundskeeper. Um, and her and her sister kind of help here and there. But all her life, she's been a little sickly. Um, and she's had to take medicine all of her life. And come to find out, the reason she has been on this medicine is because her parents knew that she had magic. And they were hiding that. They didn't want anyone to to find out. So one day her and her sister are in an argument in the drawing room while they're cleaning. And uh, Sarah knocks over a vase, a very expensive vase. And she pictures in her mind um, catching the vase and, and keeping it from falling. And it happens. And not because she reaches out and catches it, but because she it's magic. Um, and she kind of freaks out because as she realizes that this is happening and can't figure out why, she looks over and Mrs. Reed is standing in the doorway and sees Whoops. all of this. <laughs> she sits Sarah down and she starts talking to her and she brings in her mom and says, you know, we can we can do something about this. So the plan is that <clears throat> Sarah is brought into the Reed family as a long lost cousin, and her name is changed to Cassandra, um, Cassandra Reed. And what happens is, so she pretty much has to disown her family in a way. She can't be associated with them at all, and she becomes just another family member. And she is sent to Miss Caswell's school for magical instruction of young ladies. There we go. And this is the school that all the high society magical girls go to. Um, there are boys and girls are in separate schools. And she gets there and she, there's these really snobby girls that try to get her to fall into their group. But Sarah's just not like that. And she kind of starts gravitating to one of the girls that is um she's she's an outcast she's not an overly pretty girl she's a little on the heavy side and the other girls kind of shun her so it goes through and she's learning all about her magic it's just kind of a whirlwind of events for her she's having to learn how to handle her magic um she's going through the trials and tribulations of dealing with the mean girls and also kind of developing her own relationships, friendships with girls that are more like her. People find out, or some of the girls find out that she was once a snipe, even though they were trying to keep all of that under wraps, but they don't hold it against her. They love her and they're, they try to, um, they try to help her out. So she, her friends and her just go on these adventures and it's really amazing how she, comes into her own, she begins to develop her magic and become a part of this, the Reed family. And there's, a, um, it's part of a series, there is a second book, but is definitely one of the best young adult novel, or not novels, uh, young adult fantasy books that I have come across. And it's once again, Changeling by Molly Harper, book one of her Sorcery and Society series. So I may have mentioned a time or 50 that I'm not a huge fan of young adult. You and Christian can have a club. We could. Now, the book that I'm going to talk about right now, some people have identified it as being in the young adult, would you say, genre, category? But I would not classify it as such. Um, had no one said anything about it being like young adult slash new adult, whatever, I wouldn't have even picked up on that. So um, this book is Serpent and Dove by, oh God, Shelby Mah Maharin. Mahirin. Um, Mahirin. 
and it is the first in, well, it's the first book in something. I don't know if it's going to be a trilogy, a, a series. I'm, I'm unclear. Um, but what I do know is that it is set in some sort of like alternate version of France. And it is, uh, well, I'm going to tell you about it first and I'm going to kind of go through and explain some things. So basically there's a, a young woman and her name is Louise and she is a thief and she is on the run. She's hiding. She lives in the attic of an old, uh, of a theater and Ooh. she bar yes. And she borrows costumes and she has a very good friend um, who also is, you know, kind of hiding out in this theater with her and so she kind of runs the streets of this alternate sort of Paris type city. And she is trying to avoid the chasseurs who are the men responsible for um, apprehending and killing witches. Because you see Louise or Lou, as she is called, is a witch who is hiding from her magic. She does not practice. And through a series of events, she comes to the attention of the archbishop. And either she is given an ultimatum, either she can marry the captain of the chasseurs named Reed Ooh. Diggory, or she can go to prison. So basically she has to marry this guy and neither of them really know each other. And so they have this marriage. And the problem is that she is married to the captain of the witch killers while she herself is a witch. And this book is full of intrigue and really interesting sort of um, fantastical sort of political drama. And what I find very interesting is there's a lot of sort of bigotry um, about witches, very close-minded, where this group of men will apprehend these witches and they will die. They will be killed. They are not considered to be human. They are called it. Cool. <laughs> and so, and it's just, there's no, like, you know, they are taught, and it's, it's all sort of sanctioned through the church. So that's kind of where that is. And then there's this other, you know, dimension of these witches who some are good and some are very, very, very bad. And they cause horrible things to happen to people. And so it's, it's a very fascinating, uh, it's a very fascinating dynamic. And I really enjoyed this book and I enjoyed how, Lou and Reed sort of, you know, draw closer and it's very awkward. They have to demonstrate that they've consummated their marriage. I mean, it's just a really awkward, fabulous marriage of requirement type book that I loved. And I loved, um, you know, reading about this sort of alternate France. It had some of the charming things that we associate with like Paris and, and different things. Um, and one thing that I really struggled with in the book, it took me a while to get into it because I sort of felt as though Lou was sort of needlessly willful and just, she wasn't going to follow anybody's rules. She was going to live by her own compass, regardless of any consequences to anyone else. And so it's something that I find very uh, frustrating, but I, I continued, I persevered through the book and we kind of figure out why Lou is the way that she is so guarded, so secretive, so hard to like. And um, I, I wish that we could have gotten a little more world building because I'm very fascinated by the world and by the witches and by the different factions of witches. But I sort of feel as though the author sort of plunged us into this midstream or mid story. And so, um, you know, if you get past the first like third of the book where you sort of feel like you're constantly struggling to figure out what in the hell is going on, it's a really good story. And we are left, um, we are left needing a lot more information because our hero and heroine are left in a sort of sticky spot. Um, but overall, I would highly recommend this book. I really like the writing. It's pretty, the writing's pretty lovely. And, and the, just the glimpses of this alternate place, it's pretty gorgeous. So um, if you want something a little bit different, I encourage you to try Serpent and Dove by Shelby Mahiran. Is this a series? Yes. It's going to be, yeah. This is like, and I feel like this may be her debut novel. Um, that's sort of what I recall when I read reviews. I could be wrong on that part, but um, I'm not sure. I think this just came out at the beginning of September. So it it's, did. It's gonna be, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And the, and it's, it's, I think it's going to be a bit of a wait for the next book, but you know, parts of it were still like medieval France with like the, like the witch burnings and the, like the church and the, all that stuff. But parts of it were sort of 
I got thrown out of the story at times because um, the characters referred to others as like asshats and rags and like things <laughs> that, you know, we don't say in like in medieval. In medieval France. So I, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to the next book because I'm hoping there'll be a little bit more explanation of like the different types of magic and the different types of sort of like other, you know, like beings that share the, this place with the witches and the humans. Um, oh, and gotcha. but it's, yeah, it, it was a good book overall. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This has been on my radar since it came out. Yes. I think you'd like it, Shannon. on your radar. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a problem I have. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. It is a good problem to have. I, I cannot think of a better one. That's true. There could be worse things. It's true. <clears throat> So my next pick is not a book that anyone, anyone at all would say is a Shannon book. Um, and and it's not. <laughs> In a lot of ways, it, it's not. Um, so this is Witch Slapped, Witchless <laughs> in Seattle, book one no. by Dakota Cassidy. Wait, I'm Sounds sorry. Dangerous. Can you rewind that? Because hearing your voice say that silly title is going to make me laugh for the rest of my life because it's it really <laughs> did so funny. Yeah, it sounds like too light of a read for Shannon, but it is um, in a can lot you of say ways it again? It is. Yes. <laughs> so, this is Witch Slapped and it's Witchless in Seattle, book 1 by Dakota Cassidy. And this is definitely a cozy paranormal mystery. <laughs> so, if you like those, um, you you will be I in, do. in heaven. Do you? Cool. I love the concept. I like cozy like stuff when I'm in the mood for it. So this actually sounds delightful already. So, and that's kind of how I I felt about it. Like I was in a good place to read it, and it was kind of engaging and cool. Um, I'm caring for a terminally ill feline at the moment and last week was not a great week for her. So I was a little stressed. And so it was kind of nice to have this kind of light, like magical book to read. This is not my usual reading fair, but I don't know. There, there's a lot to recommend here. So the premise is there's a witch and her name is Stevie Cartwright. And she used to live in this place called Paris, Texas. And apparently there is another series about Paris, Texas, but I have not read it. Um, so she used to live there, but something happened and she has been cast out. And not only has she been cast out, but her witchliness has been taken away from her. So she is now in Seattle on her own with no one except her familiar. And her familiar is a cotton ball bat named Belfry. A what? <laughs> a bat. <laughs> a, a teeny tiny bat that like kind of hangs around in her purse and like flies around and does like um, reconnaissance missions for her. It reminds me a little bit of Jinx the Pixie from um, Kim Harrison's Rachel Morgan series, but it's, it's, not, it's not quite like that. So <laughs> Belfry is this like little bat and he has been with Stevie for several years now. So they have a pretty strong bond. And Stevie is trying hard to figure out how to live her life without magic. And you learn a little bit about, like, why her magic was stripped from her. But I'm not going to tell you why. So she's looking for a place to live. She's been living in this kind of yuckety motel. And then a ghost appears to her. And she's not really clear why she can communicate with this ghost because that should have gone away with the rest of her powers. But he has a proposition for her. He will give her a very large, very rundown house that she can live in as long as she agrees to renovate it to his specifications and to solve a mystery for him that is kind of loosely related to his death, but also to the death of someone that he cares about. Hmm. So she doesn't really want to take this on, but she also figures she doesn't have a lot of choice. 
So she begins to dig into these deaths and try to figure out like what happened. And all through this, she is still trying to navigate life without her magical power. And you see kind of flashes of her power, like they've been stripped, but you kind of see like what she, you know, once had been able to do. Um, so it's, I don't know, it, it's a lot of fun. It talks about murder, but in kind of in line with it being a cozy, you're not like inundated right. with, you know, gross, um, gory details. So for people who like those kind of light, fun mysteries, um, I really recommend this. Stevie is a pretty cool character, um, a little bit ditzier than I normally like, but it works well um, with Cassidy's writing. I read another one of her books and I very, very strongly disliked it, but this one was better. Um, and whereas I don't think I'm going to run out and pick up book two, like tomorrow, um, it's something that I would consider just kind of checking in with periodically to see what's going on with the characters. So this is Witch Slapped, and it's Witchless in Seattle, book one by Dakota Cassidy. So you mentioned two things that I, I have to jump on. Cozy Mystery, A, yes. and Ghosts, B. Yes. So I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if I need to be alarmed um, by all the changes in your current reading. Oh, or if well, <laughs> you Because know. this book sounds delightful, and the word delightful and Shannon's reading preferences don't it's true. typically go together, but... My next book will also kind of... <laughs> delve into ghostliness oh well, my god what is happening we need an intervention right now <laughs> yeah i feel like i've entered like the alternate france or something but it's with shannon's reading it's like the like, twilight I, zone of my <laughs> of my reading life i want her back i like it when characters have like their little critters he eats mango uh, which makes me really happy because mango is like my favorite favorite I like of all too. and so this yeah. bat like eats mangoes and He's just pretty cool. And if you listen to it in audio, the narrator, um, oh. is it Holly Jackson, who read, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, who read The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, um, she does a really good voice for the bat. So, um, so we often say, I've heard several times that people say that whatever kind of theme there is, there's a Nora Roberts book for it. What I'm here to say, whatever kind of theme we talk about, there is a Lauren Dane book that fits. Oh. Ah. Um, so my second book is called Moonstruck, and it is in the series called Diablo Lake. So let me tell you about Diablo Lake. Diablo Lake is deep in the hills of Tennessee, hmm? and no humans are able to really get to it. It is a town that is very well hidden by humans. And since there's no human travelers that go there, they have to do like a lot of different jobs um, to become like self-sustaining as a community. <clears throat> so this book is about, this is the first in the series. And this book is about Katie Faith. And Katie Faith's daddy had a heart attack um, and so she has, she has gone home. She originally left there because she got jilted at the altar and, um, and so she needed to kind of lick her wounds and figure out who she was without Diablo Lake. Katie Faith is a witch and she returns to help her mom with her dad and, and to help run their, uh, to help run their cafe that they have. Um, she, Katie Faith is um, probably during the most frustrating parts of her relationship, like when she was a, a teenager in high school with this boy that, that left her at the altar, she, um, she was best friends with a werewolf named Jace. Yeah. And Jace now is he's Jace is about to become the patron of his wolf pack. So he's about to be the leader. And, um, and there's, and, and this whole town is all about like power who has more power than the other, who doesn't a lot of, a lot of times the, 
the more well-meaning busybody adults, <laughs> older of the older um, men and women of this town are often being like, well, you should marry, they should marry this person because if they do, then that allows their pack or their coven to be stronger with these ties. So this book is really about like a homecoming. Um, Katie Faith comes from a family of a long line of witches and um, her power is more of a protective sort of power. Um, Jace is just busy being a badass super alpha werewolf and she really calls him <laughs> on any any possible alpha bullshit that she can <laughs> um, if he's going overboard. And this, the thing that really strikes me about this book is that it's like, yes, it's about witches and it's about like, there's all sorts of, um, there's, there's all sorts of entities and all sorts of paranormal creatures that live in this town. So the thing that really strikes me as interesting is that there really is no, there's no like, oh, we have to hide all of this from the humans because she's taken the humans out of the equation. Like there's no, there's uh -huh. no human party like gunning for them or anything like that. It's, it is a full town of, of supernaturals, small town, think of small town America, everything that you like about a, about a small town book um, with like all of the different families and the relationships. And there's so much heart in this book. I love Katie Faith and Jace together. I love Katie Faith and her relationship with her best friend, Amy, who was also a witch. Um, so it, it's just, it's just really, really, it's really, really good. There's a lot of serious things that are happening in the book because um, one, one wolf pack now wants to try to take over the town, basically, and upset the balance. And they've kind of, and both wolf packs have kind of forgotten that witches are the ones that keep, the, that keep them stable and keep the shift from hurting them as much. And so, um, and so it's just all about like a celebration of coming together. And there's just... There's a lot of heart in this book. So, again, it is Moonstruck, Diablo Lake, book one, by Lauren Dane. Sounds very interesting. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and I feel like I have to, like, publicly say, for some reason, I thought Lauren Dane was going to be, like, a very flighty author, for some reason, very, like, sort of like bubblegum and oh god no and no. I so I've always avoided her and now I'm I feel like I, I need to publicly say I was wrong and I need to try these books because this one sounds delightful oh it is so, so okay my second book is the cupcake witch the chancellor fairy tales book two by poppy lawless um, now this is, I would consider it kind of a light comfort read. It's very, very short, but it's very, very good. There's, there's a lot packed into a very short book, but it's not rushed and it doesn't leave things hanging, I guess. Um, it, it is part of a series, but I think you could read it as a standalone. I did because I... It's the first one I came across. Anyway, so um, Julie is a young girl, and her mother has just passed away. She lives with her dad, who is a real estate agent. Um, Julie is supposed to be going to school to become a dentist or a dental tech, um, which is what her mother wanted her to do. But Julie's love is in baking. She's always loved to bake, and she's always been really good at it. And her father comes in one day, and he's telling, asking her if she could go and put some for sale signs out at this little cottage that has gone up for sale because the, the person who lives there passed away. And when she gets out there, it, it's in the town of it's in the town of Chancellor, and this is a very close knit, very family kind of feeling town. Um, she gets there and she goes into this place and she can, she starts seeing herself here. She wants, she thinks she could really turn this into something. And she starts having these pictures in her head. She could turn this into a nice little bakery, like tea shop and apothecary type deal. Um, there's just one problem. There's this big kind of 
high-end family that runs uh, a vineyard that wants to bulldoze this property and turning in turning it into a parking lot um yeah very sad and she goes back to her dad and just tells him that she wants this property. She wants to live here and make it into something nice and that will fit right in with this town. So she goes in and she is getting this place ready and she comes across this recipe box that has been stored back in a cabinet. And it's filled with all these little recipe cards that not only have recipes on them, but little magical poems. And she takes it home and kind of toys around with it and figures out or says the little poetry and all of that. And it comes out really awesome. Um, then there's the son of the, the vineyard owner who comes in and tells her that they want to buy this property and bulldoze it and she doesn't want it to happen. So they kind of start a romance and he decides that he, wants to help her keep this place and goes against his father and all of that. So she, eventually um, it all works out. Of course it has to, because it's a fairy tale, but it's, it's very comforting. It's very friendly. There's that family feel to it, a very loving, accepting town that just kind of brings her into their fold without any questions asked. And it's, it's very, very warm and fuzzy. And I loved it. Um, it is book two of a series. Um, I believe there's three or four books, but this is book two, and it is called The Cupcake Witch, Chancellor Fairy Tales, book two by Poppy Wallace. I like cupcakes. I do too. And she makes some cupcakes in this uh, story that sound very, very scrumptious. It sounds very charming, this book. It, it does. Is. It yeah. is very, very charming. My next book is called The Physic Book of Deliverance Dane. And the author is Catherine yes. Howe. Yes. And I, I enjoyed many, many things about this book. It's about a young woman named Connie. And it's back in the mid-90s, which is kind of strange. Um, the, so the book is set in the 90s. It was written probably 10 years ago. So there's no cell phones and it's very strange. But anyway, um, <gasps> so I know. <laughs> but so, so Connie is um, a woman who is in the midst of defending um, her thesis. She's going to start a doctoral program. And so she's accepted into this program. And just as she is celebrating, you know, the joys of becoming a doctoral student, her mother, who she has had a sort of contentious relationship with for some time, calls her and says, hey, I need you to go this summer. Um, I know you're at Harvard, but I need you to go this summer and clean out your grandmother's house so I can sell it. Wow. She's kind of like, yeah. okay. So she goes to her grandmother's house. Um, and she has very vague memories of her grandmother, but they're very vague and fleeting um, from childhood. And she goes to the house. It's like hidden behind vines. And she discovers that it hasn't been touched. It's like a time capsule from when her grandmother died. And there's no um, electricity. It's just, it's a very rustic home. And so she spends the summer living there and beginning the process of restoring it. But early in her stay, she's going through some old books and she pulls out a Bible and from the Bible tumbles a very ancient piece of parchment with the words deliverance stain on them. And she's like, what is this? And so it sort of sparks her curiosity. And she um, ends up discovering through a lot of research that deliverance stain is a woman um, who back uh, just around the time of the Salem witch trials was um, a healer and people would come to her for different healing um, you know, potions and different healing things that she would do. And it's about her experience of being um, declared a witch. Um, and, and the historical element of this book sort of jumps through a few generations of women um, in Deliverance Dane's family. And um, so it's, so she's trying to solve this mystery and learning more and more about this woman and, and, and the things. But also, she is uh, sort of attracted to a man that she meets um, during the summer. 
and she becomes more and more enmeshed with him until he has an accident. And she decides that the only way for her to help him sort of recover from this accident is to find the physic book and physic would be the book of like healing recipes or whatever you want to call them, magical spells um, used by deliverance staying. That's the one thing that's going to help him to recover. And there's some intrigue. There's some, you know, different things that happen. Um, and I found the historical sections of the book quite interesting. I you can tell the author did a lot of research into what happened during the, the Salem witch trials. And I, I really enjoyed that part. Um, the only thing that I kind of had some problems with were I felt as though the author jumped to some sort of conclusions that the heroine makes by the end of the book without really explaining to us how the, how the heroine got there. Um, so it, it does leave you feeling a little confused, but it's the first book in um, a series and I did quite enjoy it. And it is called the physic book of deliverance Dane. And the author is Catherine Howe. And the follow-up, which is the Daughters of Temperance Hobbs. Yes, um, that looks really good to Yes, me. it does. It just came out like this summer. Yeah. Um, I think Amber talked about it when we were doing one of the most anticipated um, uh -huh. books episodes for the summer. Okay. So my last book comes with a confession. Uh-oh. Yes. So I tried really, really really, really hard not to discuss a Yasmin Gallinard book this time. Oh, you did not. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I looked and I had in my mind all these other things that I was going to read that were not by Yasmin Gallinard. And not because I don't absolutely love reading Yasmin Gallinard, because we all know that I do, but because in the last witch episode, I talked about um, her Bewitching Bedlam series. And so I didn't think it would be quite fair to talk about another one of her series. However, as my lovely partner pointed out, if you write good witch books, then you write good witch books yep. and people have to talk about them. So <laughs> here I am to talk about Yasmin hmm? Gallinorn's Anti-Fay Adventures. And this is kind of a spin-off series from her Wild Hunt series. So the first six books in the series deal with um, a witch named Ember Carney. And then in book seven, she introduces a new character. And so now you have the Wild Hunt, and then you have the Wild Hunt slash Anti-Fay adventures that kind of run parallel to one another in the same world um, with characters that are interconnected. But in the um, Witching Hour and Witching Bones books, which are the two Anti-Fay books, our heroine is Raven Bone Talker. And she is one of the wow. anti-fae, which are sort of the, like, ancestors, predecessors of, like, the fae that we all know about. So she's one of these very, very magical um, anti-fae beings, and she also practices witchcraft. So she um, refers to herself as the daughter of bones, speaker for the dead. And a lot of what she does um, has to do with raising spirits to help answer questions for people, um, helping spirits kind of cross through the veil and go on with their own, you know, their own kind of afterlife, uh, settling disputes between humans and the spirits who also think that they should like claim their houses. Ah, so like the TV she, series. Sort of, yes. So she, she does all these things. She lives um, in a kind of a suburb of Seattle with three ferrets. And the <laughs> ferrets are super cool because they were actually humans who were spelled and were turned into ferrets kind of as a way to keep them alive. So Raven is now their caretaker and she is desperately trying to figure out how to reverse this curse so that they can die and move on as like ghosts of, of humans as opposed to ferrets. She also has a gargoyle named Raj, who I really, really love. Um, he kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, a cross between a dog and a gargoyle. Um, <laughs> he's, he's very, very cool. He eats potato chips out of a bowl. Um, but... <laughs> 
this series has a darkness that I was really drawn to because that's generally how I am when I'm not reading cozy mysteries. Um, and I really love the direction that Galenorn has moved with the parts of the series that deal with Raven. So Raven is tasked with a couple of really uh, major assignments in these books. And I'm only going to talk about Witching Hour because that's the first Raven book. So a friend of hers has been kind of possessed. Well, her house has been possessed and possibly she has as well by a very, very unhappy spirit. And Raven has to try to figure out like why this spirit can't rest. But as she's doing this, she is also kind of hearing these rumblings of a bigger, deeper, darker, magical problem that is existing kind of in the world as a whole. And we don't know quite what this problem is or when it will occur, but you kind of have that like building sense of impending doom. Like you know that something very bad is going to happen. Um, I loved catching up with Ember from the first part of the Wild Hunt series. You get to see her and Raven kind of interacting. Um, you also are introduced to some new characters that you didn't meet in the first part of the series. But it's just so great. I read the second book, which is Witching Bones, um, last night in about two and a half hours. And I loved pretty much every second of it. So I, I recommend the Wild Hunt series as a whole. And that starts with The Silver Stag. But if you're looking for something dark, something a little more sinister, with a really, really great romance that I won't spoil for you, um, you can skip ahead to Witching Hour, which is technically book seven in the Wild Hunt series, but the first anti-fae adventure. So it's Witching Hour, anti-fae adventure number one by Yasmin Gallinorn. And this is the series that I, um, that I got Brooke hooked on. And now she um, is a Yasmin fan as well. And that makes me happy. So my last book tonight is, now I, I know that I read out of order sometimes. Sometimes? Often. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm saying this with the idea that this is book four of the series, but it stands alone very well. Like you could, you could start this series with this book. And then be like, ooh, I wonder what that was about in these other books, but still, like, not be lost. So this book is called Oracle's Moon by Thea Harrison, and it is the fourth book in the Elder Races series. <clears throat> this book is about a woman whose um, sister and brother-in-law died in a tragic car accident. And their three, their two children ended up living with our main character, who is Grace. And Grace is the Oracle. And um, Grace's sister was the Oracle, but once she died, the power went to her. Um, and Grace is in, she is struggling so much. She doesn't have any money to raise these kids. She's she's exhausted all the time she the car accident was um she was in the back seat of the car accident and so it, it mm -hmm. has permanently injured her knee and we're talking with kids we're talking a four-year-old and a like nine-month-old oh not a good oh. <laughs> so she's got like a lot of problems and she's just trying to deal with the loss of of um of her family so um, this jumps right off after events in the third book that kind of happened on her front lawn. And she was like, what the hell? Um, so book four has her and a Jen named Khalil. And um, a Jen is basically a genie. Um, it grants wishes and such. And, um, and the Jen basically... Um, they hate each other. <laughs> they do not like each other. They don't trust each other. Ooh, enemies um, to lovers. Love yes. <laughs> but, but she starts to learn how to use her power um, 
which is a power that she doesn't really understand. And she is considered a witch in this, in this book. So I, I really like it because it's such a different power that we don't see. And basically as an oracle, like in Greek mythology, the oracle is the one that, that would give prop, that would prophesy to people basically mm-hmm. um, and tell their, and, and tell their future with a whole lot of prophetic words, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, <clears throat> And what I, what I love is that we get to see someone who is honestly, like, she's trying to make the best out of a bad situation. So it reads almost like a contemporary, but with a lot of, like, supernatural elements. Um, and there's a lot of, all of the, all of the paranormals are broken up into different domains. So each state is basically run by a domain. Um, and she's, and Grace is just trying to, she, she's like a little fish in a big pond, basically. So um, it's great to watch her come into her power, but also my favorite part is watching the romance between her and Khalil because Khalil pulls out all of the stops, not only to woo her, but to also like, but to also really get to know the kids who are mm-hmm. freaking adorable. And mm-hmm. this is going to surprise the crap out of you, but I read this book. The first time I read this book was on audio Whoa. So I know, I know. Just let that sink in a minute. I read Sophie most of that Eastlake. series in audio. Sophie Eastlake yep. is amazing in this novel. Like my gosh, her narration is absolutely fantastic. So um, <clears throat> if you are one who sticks, who prefers to stick to a series order, um, you know, you can start with book one. But, but if you want to jump in and Elder Races, there are quite a few books um, in that series. So if you're feeling a little overwhelmed and you really want to read about someone that is basically a single parent um, struggling to make ends meet while dealing with a huge amount of power and dealing with an irascible gin and, <laughs> and very adorable children and just trying to figure out how to put one foot in front of the other. Um, you really can't beat Oracle's Moon by Thea Harrison before the Elder Races series. So this book is called The Witch Born to Ignite. It is the Inferno series by Tanya Milne, M-I-L-N-E. And there is a, um, what do they call it? A prequel to this series, but it is so, so short. If you want to read it, great, um, but you don't have to. And that one's called the, the, Witch, the Witch Born to be Fire Queen. But it just, it's literally like 30 minutes long. It's very, very short. So. It's a short story. It very, it very much is, but it, it gives, it gives a brief history, but it's, it's not imperative. Okay. Um, so The Witch Born to Ignite is actually book one. And this is about a girl named Eva. And she has a twin brother. And Yay, twins. Un- yes. Um, and they have a very, very close bond. Very close bond. Um, her family is a very loving family. But they have recently moved to a small town. And she's just trying to fit in at her new school and all of that. And when she is helping move boxes, she comes across this book that has a very interesting symbol on the front. And she recalls it from a necklace that she's had or her mother gave her, but she's never been allowed to wear it. And she thinks that's just because it's kind of a relic of the family. And they don't want it messed up or something. Um, But come to find out, her and her brother are witches. They have been born into a coven of witches, but this has been hidden from them all their lives. Um, And the reason that they moved to this little town was because the mayor of where they were living before was introducing all these new laws and forbidding people to practice magic. And if you were found out to be a witch, um, it was very, very bad for you and your family. And so they moved to this little town trying to get away from that. And what, you know, the mayor, 
moves to this little town as well. And he's bringing Oops. all of his laws with him. Um, but Eva is 17, I believe. And you know how high school can be. And Blech. she, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she, her and her brother start this school, but of course they don't have any classes together. So she's kind of on her own at times. And all these boys are getting to know her. Her brother pretty much falls in love the minute he meets this girl as soon as they walk into the school building. It's very interesting. It's to love. Yes, pretty much. So um, Eva's trying to come to terms with everything she's finding out. She brings it up to her family and they finally tell her the secret and they tell her that, you know, this is, this is why we move. This is, you've been born into a coven, but you can't practice magic. You can't let anybody find out you're a witch. And she's bound and determined. She's going to figure out what her powers are, what, who she is, learn her history. And she has to do this under the radar. And she's kind of infatuated with this one person who turns out to be the mayor's son and whoops Mm. yeah and um so it's it's her dealing with not only teenage life and trying to figure out that side of the the world but she's got this whole new thing that's just been thrown in her lap and she's hidden this book from her family um and she kind of studies it at night when it's when she has doesn't have to worry about anybody coming in on her. I haven't quite finished this book, but it's it's really really good. The first couple of chapters are a little slow, but it takes off and it's really amazing. And she has a kitty cat named Pearl. Yay, kitty cat! <laughs> so I mean, the cat's not a huge fixture in the book, but she does come up here and there and. She's very much uh, Eva's cat. So All good um, witches need a kitty cat. Yes. Or and, two. <laughs> or five. Um, yes. So one of the big things in this, and then I'll wrap it up, is she has to figure whether she is a dark witch or a white witch. And it turns out that some of her magic has a little bit of a dark side. But she, it, it doesn't seem like she's really fully one way or the other. Um, so she eventually figures all of that out, I think, from what the synopsis is saying. But it, this is a really amazing book. Um, and once again, it, it takes a bit to pull me into a young adult fantasy like this. But it is called The Witch Born to Ignite. Uh, a, uh, the Inferno, book one by Tanya Milne. This is on my want-to-read shelf. I saved my favorite for last, as I often do. And I sort of feel like I'm cheating um, because I have discussed this this trilogy, um, but it was many, many moons ago on the boarding school episode back in the very early days of Book Bistro. So please... I, I crave your indulgence to discuss this again because <laughs> I do love it so. And I think it's a trilogy that just has been overlooked and underappreciated and underloved. And so anytime I can, I want to give it all the love in my soul because it's, it's one that I've reread. I don't even know how many times um, since 2013 when I discovered it. And the trilogy is called the Fairwick trilogy by Juliet dark. Um, and her other pseudonym is, Oh my God. Um, Carol, Goodman. Barbara, uh, Carol Goodman. Yes. And uh, so she kind of writes sort of Gothic under both pseudonyms, but um, so the books in this trilogy are the demon lover, the water, Witch, and the angel stone. And in this trilogy, there is a woman named Callie McFay and Callie is, uh, has just accepted a job in the folklore department at a small liberal arts college in upstate New York. And Callie was um, invited to, an, to, to be interviewed by this department because she wrote a book called The Sex Lives of Demon Lovers. And so she arrives in this small town um, at Fairwick College. 
And she um, buys this sort of gothic, fantastic Victorian house that really calls to her and speaks to her. And so she's sort of like this, uh, she's always enjoyed the intersection of like lurid fairy tales and like gothic literature and just, oh, all the things that I love. So as she settles into this town, she begins to learn that not all at Fairwick is as it seems. Um, there are supernatural creatures living all around Fairwick, you know, uh, various different things. But also she discovers that she, in fact, is one of these. She's a witch. And not only is she a witch, but she is what is called a doorkeeper. And so she has the ability to open and close the door between um, fairy and just the, the, the real world. And so that makes her a very valuable commodity. Um, and she is soon sucked into the, the, just the, the flow of this town and the college. And then she also is sort of um, lost to the charms of an incubus who comes to her at night and makes, has very passionate times with her. What did I call them in the other episode? Certain, Certain bedroom, bedroom activities, activities <laughs> occur. And, and Scrabble. Indeed. <laughs> and so basically this whole trilogy is her kind of learning about this incubus and in his different forms, because despite the fact that she has to banish him because he's sucking her life force away, she's deeply, deeply in love with him. So this whole trilogy is about basically different factions of witch and fae and other creatures. Um, some who want the door between fairy and the real world to be closed for good and some who want it to remain open so that the, the fae creatures can travel between the worlds. Um, and I'm not doing it justice, but I'm just going to tell you, it is the most amazing trilogy, and I love it so much. And just the, the academic side of her versus, like, the real, like, erotic, gothic side of the incubus and, and just all the things that she experiences, it just makes it one of the most amazing trilogies I've ever read. So, um, the order is the demon lover, the water witch and the angel stone. And it's the Fairwick trilogy. And the author is Juliet dark and please read it. Please, please. It is so good. I need to Ooh. read this. Oh, it's this sounds so delightful. Yeah. Oh, this is my favorite word for this evening. I just, delightful. <laughs> delightful. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the end of our discussion of witch centered books. Thank you to Mika and Kristen and to Stacy for jumping in. Um, not quite at the last minute, but sort of, <laughs> sort of, um, to fill Sarah's spot, who was unable to be with us this week. And of course, thanks goes out to Christine for her fantastic editing. And we thank all of you who join us each week for our great book discussions. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody. <laughs>